Hello, hello, and welcome to another great episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we read through the Bible from verse to verse, chapter to chapter, and starting at the beginning, we work our way through the scriptures, and we are using the original languages as a guide. Now, at times, we'll take a diversion and connect thoughts together for a specific podcast, as we did a couple podcasts ago when we talked about what is food, but typically, we are going to try to just continue to work our way through and from each chapter, make a few reference points if needed to connect some of the other scriptures. And as we get farther and farther into scripture, it will be easier to connect those to what we've previously learned because you always build a house from the foundation up. Just as in order to understand anything you read in the book of Matthew, you're going to have to know first what Matthew is referring to in the scriptures. So, We do read, folks, from the New King James Version Bible. That is one of the best translations, but it's not the only one, but it is the one we work from. And it also is the the, another one that's very close is the New American Standard Bible. So while they're not Hebrew, they are pretty good translations. So today we're going to be using the New King James Version Bible. We are going to be reading Genesis chapter 13, and we are going to start in verse 1. I'm going to begin reading. And I do pray that the Lord enlightens our eyes, ears, and hearts to receive his truth. Okay, verse 1. Then Avram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Avram was very rich in livestock in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Now notice, the word in Hebrew... Beth, that they're writing here is Beth, is actually Beit in Hebrew. So this in Hebrew is Beit El, which is house of God, which is pretty amazing. So here's Avram journeying through this new land. He had left Haran, he had, um, which means mountaineer, and he had come to this place of the promised land that God said, I will give this to you and your descendants. And Avram had faith, man. He believed God's word. And of course it came to pass and it will come to pass again. But we know that he believed him and he pitched his tent, you know, when he was going through the land at Bethel and here he is again at Bethel, the house of God. And it's just amazing how it's, it's like people had already had a connection with that place or something because to call it the house of God and just to know that his presence was there is pretty powerful. And so in Hebrew, often when they name a place, for example, Bethlehem, Bethlehem is house of bread. And so a lot of the words in Hebrew actually have meanings, whereas sometimes in English, they really don't. They're just like the last name of a person or something like that when we name a street or a town. But in Hebrew, it often has a meaning. And right here, that meaning for Bethel is house of God, which is really awesome because God does put his temple in Jerusalem. And we know that that's where the house of God was and will be again. So, continuing on in verse 4. So I'm sorry, I'll read verse 3 again. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Avram called on the name of Yahweh. So again, Avram, we've already talked about this, but Av is father and Ram of um, his people. So he was the father of many people. And it obviously came to pass. And then the capital L-O-R-D is God's name in Hebrew, yod heh vav in Hebrew, which transliterates as Yahweh, or Y-H-B-H. Verse 5, Lot also, who went with Avram, had flocks and herds and tents. 
Now, notice it wasn't accounted to them for sin to be rich. So there's two thoughts in many of the modern churches and just you know, religious groups, whether they're Messianic or Christian. Some people say you must be poor. Some people say you must be rich. But I will say you must take the lot that God gives you <laughs> and you must learn to be content in all situations. And so it was not a sin to Avram that he had many possessions, but it also wouldn't, wasn't a sin to Yeshua that he had almost none or Paul that he had almost none. So for one to, to you know, uh, tout one better than the other, it really isn't right because everyone's situation is so different. Now, if your riches and your possessions become obstacles to your faith, then of course, it's wrong. But, and of course, if your poverty becomes your boast as well, because I've known many people who seem to almost boast in their poverty and they get this sense of religious self-righteousness because they are poor. So neither one is good in God's eyes. We need to be humble and just accept a lot God has given us and be content. So I just wanted to point that out because these name it and claim it people, that's so against Bible scripture. It's so wrong. We cannot claim God's blessings, but we can pray for God's blessings. We can humbly ask and petition him, but his blessing may be something we didn't expect or foresee as being a blessing. We must also receive that. So let us just be content with what Yahweh Elohim himself gives us. Verse 6. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Avram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So obviously the situation here is there, if you've ever worked with animals, you know your animals need a certain number of acres to live, right? You need a certain amount of grass to provide, for example, a cow or a sheep or a goat. And goats can live a little bit more heartily on yucky weeds and stuff, but they need certain amount of space. And so if both of them had great possessions and they're trying to dwell together, and for example, Avram's sheep needed enough grass, and so did Lot's, and they're down here in the south. Well, I guess they had traveled up to Bethel again, but still, it's not like Israel has a ton of grass. And so they're, they're a little cramped and they need to kind of spread out and figure out how to to get enough food for their livestock. And that's what's at issue here. That's what that's what's going on. So verse eight, so Avram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen for we're brethren. So they're family, right? Is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Notice Avram in his righteous kindness said, you pick you pick what you want, and I'll take the other, no matter what. But let's, 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 let there be peace with us, okay? And Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before before Yahweh destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, of course. Like the Garden of Yahweh, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Interesting, they still noted the Garden of Yahweh there. So I have a feeling and a hunch that it was still there like and known where it was but they couldn't go in and obviously it was guarded and 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 i can't explain exactly if anything has happened different or if it is somewhere and we're just missing it now because of our intellectualism we've lost sight of the spiritual who knows but it's interesting that they still referenced the garden of yahweh the paradise and gone you know it just symbolizes paradise so it could just be that as well verse 11 then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. So this is over by the Dead Sea, um, on the south there, 
well, on the other side of it, of course, is Jordan. And then we know there's, there is, um, sorry, the, the Sodom and Gomorrah were in that region as well. So they separated from each other. Verse 12, Avram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent, even as far as Sodom. And notice Lot, <laughs> a little bit in his pride, he wanted what was better for himself. He didn't tell Avram, hey, you are my elder. You, why don't you pick what's best? Because I have, you know, I'm younger. I can work more, whatever. He didn't say anything like that. He just said, sure, <laughs> I'll take what's better. Look, okay, I want that. Which I think shows his heart <laughs> was not quite right with Yahweh. And he was willing to dwell in a land full of wickedness for the sake of prosperity, which I think you can all see the little spirituality I'm hinting at. There's many people I know that take positions and jobs that are in a very unwholesome, unrighteous, ungodly environment out of their sinful hearts of lust for money and greed. And I, I promise you <laughs> that, that God would bless you if you just crossed over and went to the, to the promised land. And we've had ourselves in our own personal life for the last 20 years, we've had to come out of jobs and leave jobs that were not right. And so... We don't condone something and say, well, it's the, it's the job God provided. Well, Lot could have picked something else. He could have just separated a little bit farther in the promised land or whatever. Do you get what I'm saying? He was willing to dwell among men of wickedness and do really wicked things. Or he didn't do the wicked things. I guess it tormented his soul, it says. But he was willing to dwell among those people doing wicked things for the sake of prosperity. Just please really pray about it if you have a job in an industry that is not glorifying to God. For example, um, I, you know, there's so many jobs like restaurants that serve shellfish or bars or um, just a lot of things. I'm just telling you, just please pray about those things because lot these things are supposed to be lessons for us, okay? And Lot almost lost his life because he was dwelling amongst the wicked and didn't separate from them. So just a little side note. <laughs> okay, verse 13. Well, let me re read 12 again. Avram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and dwelt in Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Now, Sodom actually means burning, which is interesting, <laughs> because what happens later, it's like it was prophetically named, but we'll see. 13, but the men of Saddam were exceedingly wicked and sinful against Yahweh. And that's where we get the word sodomy or sodomite, those who have homosexual relations. Verse 14, and Yahweh said to Avram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. Now, did God have this promise happen the next day or even in Avram's lifetime? No. Just when we begin to lose hope and lose faith in what we know God told us, often the blessing was just about to come or the promise was just about to fulfill, be fulfilled. So we need to remember to wait patiently on Yahweh. I know my own mother perished having faith and hope in something I know for 100% certainty God had said to her. And I firmly believe that because I myself 
was told similar things. And she was told over and over and over that God will save her children. Because, of course, she has a wayward daughter who used to follow Torah, but since can't even remember the dreams and visions and anything God had said to her. It's been really sad. I mean, heartbreaking as a family. But she knew, and I mean, right until her death, she always said, God promised me he would save her. And she had a dream where God was going to get her out of the way to save my sister or her daughter. Which, interesting, I don't know. She did die, but she went to her grave with that faith. And I, I know God is going to fulfill that word. And some people have tried to, oh, maybe it's her spiritual terrorism, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I know, I know, I know what God said to her, and I know what in context it was, and I know what he's told me. And so I continue to have that faith, just like Avram's son, Isaac, continued to have the faith. And just like then Jacob continued to have the faith. And we must continue to have the faith of the promise to Avram as his children. So my point in this all is have faith and don't give up. And it doesn't always look like you think it's going to look. It may not happen in your lifetime. It may not happen in a day. It may not happen in any way that you anticipated. But don't doubt that God, Yahweh himself, is going to fulfill the promise which he spoke. Verse 15. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Now notice the word forever. There's the olam. Some people will, this is again, understanding the Hebrew. Some people say, well, he, he, he didn't give it to them forever. They, they're not even in there right now. Well, some of them are again, right? But there was a huge period of time where Israel, all of Israel, north and southern kingdoms, they got scattered, right? But remember the whole prophecy that when Jesus Yeshua returns, and this starts in about the chapter 40 of Ezekiel, that when he returns, he brings his children back to the land of Israel. And he divides the land. And in Ezekiel chapter 47, the last two verses, it says any Gentile that's going to be his people becomes one with his people and gets a portion in whatever tribe they choose to sojourn with. So his people will be brought back with him during that millennial reign. Jesus, Yeshua, will reign from there. And we will then inhabit that land eternally. And then the new Jerusalem starts. So we can't still give up on his promises, people. And just because it said forever, it doesn't mean there weren't going to be interim breaks. Because remember, God already knew all of history before it happened. He understood that we were going to get kicked out of the land, that we were going to disobey, that we were going to need that salvation and need the return of forgiveness and grace. And he had it all planned. He sent Yeshua Jesus to save us, to forgive us, to bring us back to him. So our God didn't miss a detail. It's pretty amazing. And so don't give up faith. Verse 16, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And remember, this didn't happen in his lifetime. Then Avram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to Yahweh. Now, go back to verse 16. And it says, if your descendants, I will, he's going to make his descendants as the dust of the earth. This is a huge story promise, guys. It goes through the whole Bible. It goes all the way through the New Testament, but people miss it. So this is a huge thing to pay attention to now as we continue through scriptures. But Avraham's children, in the censuses that were conducted, census is a word, <laughs> in the censuses that were conducted in Israel, they physically numbered the children of Israel. We know the children of Israel and the children of Judah both got scattered. 
The children of Judah were able to return after seven years, but again, then they were they were dispersed again, and a lot of them made great mass exodus exoduses through Europe, and then of course many of them, some of them came back in 1948 when Israel was named a nation, and we're waiting for the second coming, which in, in Jeremiah two places it says the second the second exodus will be so great that the first exodus will no longer be talked about. Well, we still talk about the first exodus, and the second exodus has not been a great exodus yet. We know Judah went first because it specifically says in the prophet that he will save the tents of Judah first. We know that. And that was prophesied. But the tents of Ephraim have not yet come back, the northern tribes of Israel. So the thing is, guys, we have to remember that he already promised Abraham, Avram, that every single family would be blessed in his seed. The word seed there is Zerah, which is sperm. Okay, he's going to be a blessing to all families. We know, of course, the Messiah comes through Avram. And we know the promise is to Avram's descendants. I, many of you sing a song in church and you have no idea what you're singing. But it says, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right? Anyway, you know the song. Many of you have no idea that you possibly could physically be blood descendants of Avram. The fact of the matter is that Avram's northern ten tribes, Avram's sons that inherited the northern part of Israel, were scattered in about 722 B.C. by the Assyrian army. And you can see in every single, even study Bible, where the northern tribes of Israel just disappear. They stop existing but the tribe of Judah alone stood. And Judah only encompassed Judah, Benjamin, and Levi, the ones who dwelt under the reign of the king of Judah, the Jews. The northern tribes of Israel had become ruled by one of the tribes of Jacob's son named Ephraim, who was a son of Joseph. And so they are sometimes called Joseph, Israel, or Ephraim. And so I just want to leave you with this little tantalizing detail that's going to develop over the next <laughs> many chapters as we read. But remember, you could physically be a blood descendant of God that he, of Abraham, that he is physically calling back to himself right now in this end days, in according to Daniel's interpret uh, Daniel's prophecy of the iron separating from the clay, and perhaps this time right now, you're feeling that call of God on your heart and you don't understand why. Now he calls blood Gentiles as well, people who physically were not necessarily through the line of Shem from the line of Avram. From the line of Jacob. And it says in Ezekiel chapter 47, when Jesus Yeshua returns, those Gentiles just are treated as native Israelites. There's no difference. And that's all through the Bible. And we read a few verses recently. Remember our whole study about there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, but I just wanted to point out that verse also. So if you are feeling that call of like Avraham was, be willing to quote, leave the past, leave your family, leave your old traditions behind. And let's go forward in, you know, in obedience to God. No more religion. No more fake religion where we, we glorify God on one day of the week and every other day we act nothing like him. No more religion. No more religion. What would Jesus do? He obeyed the Father fully. So let's be ready to enter that promised land. May God bless you richly today. And yay, I think I'm gonna do a few more podcasts today. I have some time. It's a beautiful Sabbath day. So I'm going to do some time. Please keep me in prayer. I have a huge decision in front of me this week and um, I want God's guidance. I never want to do my own way. It's, um, 
I just need prayer. I need, I need discernment. I need guidance. I've had some dreams. So it seems like I'm supposed to do it. But of course, anytime God leads you in a path, Satan's going to try to confuse you and counter the way. In fact, when God told me, uh, sorry, I get on these tangents, but when God told me to begin homeschooling and to quit my job as a t- teacher at the college, the very next day, the very next day, I got offered and asked if I would take the full-time position for a retiring teacher. <laughs> now, God had just come to me. And I'm going to tell you, at this point in our life, we did not have enough money to pay our bills if I didn't work. But God had come to me the night before and told me to quit my job at the college and to homeschool my son. <laughs> now, I was a little bit like, okay, I'll have faith. I was just like, Avram, I'll leave. I'll leave. I'll leave this Haran. I'll go to the promised land. And then the next day, I get this job offer that would more than pay off all of our debt, that would more than do anything. I mean, it was like, because we didn't have a lot of debt at that time. And I was like 25 at the time. But I was like, oh, well, nope. I'm pretty sure Yahweh told me to, to obey him. And so I took a deep breath when she talked to me about taking the position. I said, well, I apologize, but I cannot take that position. But I also... In fact, I'm going to be quitting completely. And her face literally went like completely blank and shocked because, of course, I love teaching. I was a teacher. I mean, I love, just love people. I love being around them. And my guy, my saying, and I really believe this, is I'm a guide on the side, not a sage on the stage. And my job is to empower you, not to like, quote, lead you. My job is to help you rise up in your full gifts and potential that God has in you. Now, that being said, because I am a pretty silent and submissive leader, many people then get very arrogant against me and as they did Paul <laughs> and they get very nasty, but, um, that's okay. That's, that's between them and God. I don't want to pretend I'm something. I don't want to start some religious system. I don't want to herald myself as anything great because I'm not because you have the same potential in you. And what I'm here to, to, you know, spark in you is this fire for God's word that you can go on and do the same thing. And so anyway, um, getting back off my many sidetracks, I had to obey God. And I will tell you a miracle that happened because I chose to obey and quit and told her I quit within two weeks within, well, actually it was that very, very next day, but within two weeks, the house was sold that very next day. We had had a house that, um, anyway, we were fixing up to sell off, which would pay the rest of our debt. We were doing, um, real estate flips. We had paid cash for this five-bedroom home. We had paid $12,000 cash. It was just such a miracle, even that story. But I won't go into it. <laughs> but, um, it, well, actually, I will. Because you know why? Because I had prayed specifically for God to de- to forgive us for our sin of going into debt and deliver us. And that very week, a man walked into Jim's office and said, I have this house. I got the insurance money for it, but I don't want to fix it up. And he said, let me sell it for like $12,000. So Jim was literally, his mouth dropped to the floor. And he's like, okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> And it was a little bit of work. Yeah, we had to put some work into it, but we fixed it up, flipped it. And of course, it paid off the rest of our debt, which was amazing. But but it didn't sell until after I quit my job. And we were wondering what we were going to do. And that very, very, very day I quit, the very next day, a young boy walked into Jim's life that needed a place to rent. And so he needed a month, we did a month-to-month lease, and he knew it was going to be short-term because we were going to list it for sale. So he lived in there for a month, which was exactly the amount of money I had been making from the college. (laughs) Like, so it paid all the bills. And then the next month, the house sold. And it was such a blessing. 
and then we've never been in debt again. So we were 25 years old. I mean, I was 25. My husband was 28. <sighs> yeah, they got us out of debt and paid off everything. But we had to obey first. We had to obey. Because if I had not obeyed, who knows what would have happened. But because I did obey, he sent the renter the next day. And then he, within a month, sold the house, paid off the debt. And I was able to, with no stress, be able to stay home and focus on homeschooling our son. It was really, really powerful. So don't give up. Don't give up. Keep faith. And you do have to choose to obey to see the miracle. So don't think the miracle is going to come before your faith. Just remember that. Love you guys. Have a blessed day.